All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Thursday. It's January 30th. I'm Doug Norrie. Over there is... James Davis. Why is the 30th kind of like mysterious or exciting to you? Well, because sometimes I forget how I'm going to open the podcast. Because sometimes we have... <laughs> if I'm just going to be totally honest about this, sometimes we have sponsors for the opening and sometimes we don't. And sometimes I do another podcast that I recorded yesterday or earlier this morning. about We got nets and I open that podcast differently. And so sometimes when I, when I hit record, I'm... Mm-hmm. I haven't thought about how I'm going to open it, and then I just put it a different emphasis somewhere. So, so, you're, so, no re- so you're so excited that you remember like the date, or? Well, no, I actually didn't even remember the date. I was frantically clicking on the calendar piece at the top of my computer uh, here to get so it. So, so I knew it was Thursday because I can see the thu, and but then I and I know it's January, sure. where I was reasonably sure it was January, and then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the thirtieth is just to kind of buy myself some time. So that's all. That's, that's if you want a little window into how the podcast is yeah. made. That's kind of nothing if not a pro. Not Very knowing how I'm gonna, <laughs> not knowing, well, <laughs> not knowing how I'm gonna open the podcast, which podcast we're doing, all that, all that jazz. Very interesting. <laughs> I just say, look, this is what the people want. They want to know how it's. They, I, don't, I think they want to know how things are rolling here. Mm-hmm. We are going. We have a six-game Thursday slate of NBA action. Uh, which I always appreciate because I, I'm not a fan. I, I know in the past they've done the, you know, Thursday's the national TV day and there's three games or whatever. I'd much rather have it. I'd much more. I'd much rather have six game slates spread out like through the whole year rather than a two game slate, then a 12, right? And then a three and then a 10. I, I, I don't like, I like when there's just a reasonable amount of games. Does that make sense? Do you feel the yeah. same way or do you like when they kind of pile it together? I know sometimes we like smaller slates, but I consider a five to six game slate a smaller slate. Yeah, I think so. Um, but, you know, typically there's still enough intrigue that we can get some action on it. Uh, there's a little bit of value going around, but it's not like there are 17 different guys under 4,000 that you can consider. So I, I'm with you. I think medium-sized slates are, are generally the most fun, with last night being a pretty notable exception. Last <laughs> night, I have to say, sitting in the chat, it's like one of the first times I've ever said this, so we have our members-only chat over at DFSR.com, and... Uh, I, I just typed in the chat 10 minutes before lock. I was like, the DraftKings lineup is horrible. I don't know what to tell you. Like, our optimized lineup is just not looking good. And people were like, huh? Like, this, like there were a couple of new people in last night. And I was like, this is just the deal. We're just going to be honest. Like, when the lineup looks great, I'll tell you. I'll tell you when I'm buying an extra tonight. Yeah. I don't know. I can't make heads or tails of any of this. I don't think anyone could, frankly. Um, we wound up getting there on some of our weird plays. Like, we had Reggie Jackson. Uh, he was incredible. He scored like 38 DraftKings points. But then some guys that we thought had high floors, like Jaron Jackson, went up being bad. So it was all over the place. And that yesterday was a very similar kind of medium-sized slate. I do think there's a lot more clarity tonight, though. I think there are a few teams that we can really focus in on, and I think we'll just be filling in pieces around them. So I do feel a lot more assured, at least so far. But yeah, last night, whew, it was it was a tough one. Buddy, it's a way to lend some confidence to the early part of the podcast. I it's it's called honesty. If you don't, if you want someone who's just going to give you the fire lines every single night and tell you about how they only win, <laughs> uh, go ahead. There's a lot of people giving those lineups away for free on Twitter or asking for, you know, PayPal tips or whatever. You can go get them. If you want people that have been doing it professionally for more than six years now, yeah, geez, uh, more than six years now, then. Turn to us, and we'll tell you the truth. So at, that's, at that's Doug Nori, at Doug Nori on Twitter, you can get my fire lines. I'll and then I'll just I'll put my PayPal link. Do in you resell our lineups for five dollars <laughs> a piece on PayPal? 
You do, don't you? Because you know I'm not, I'm, I'm not on Twitter following your, your stupid Twitter. <laughs> I would never. I would never. All right. We are going to roll. Let's roll through some of these games. Got a bunch of injury Doug news. Fam gets paid again. Dollar sign fire emoji. <laughs> I should post that, that conversation, that Twitter conversation I had with that guy who was trying to sell me betting picks that one time and just sending me pictures of like his Lamborghinis and stuff. Um, where I just, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's probably too long, but I just, I get engaged with this guy in the way that you engage with like a spam caller from India who's trying to get your, trying to get you a Target gift card. The or way whatever. I personally um, do. Yeah. 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 I, was, I wasn't saying collective. You. I was saying you personally. And yeah. so uh, anyway, I did that with one of these guys selling betting picks. Um, I'll see if I can drum it up because I think it was I think it was worth it. I really kept him on the hook for a long time. Okay, 7 p.m. Eastern. Toronto goes in and plays Cleveland. Toronto just when they look like they're getting healthier, they lose another guy. Marcus Hall left the game uh, last time out and with uh, some hamstring issues and is not going to play tonight. He is out for the game. Although you know that what's Toronto's struggles with their injury stuff sort of come at the benefit or, or we benefit from it because. I think with this team, sometimes we're just waiting for it's kind of this way with most teams. If we're just waiting for one of the key components to be out so we can find value elsewhere. We were fine stacking Toronto the other night against Atlanta with guys like Lowry, Van Vliet, even Gasol we had and Siakam. Do you see that being the case here again against a very bad Cleveland team and without a guy like Gasol, like maybe we thread in Abaca? Yeah, I think Abaca actually is one of the more clear plays on the night. He came in in that game against Atlanta, and he was incredible. I mean, 27 minutes, got 24 points and 10 boards, two steals, no turnovers. Like, he was just doing it out there. He's really crashing the boards a lot recently. He's basically paid this price off the bench in, like, healthily paid this price, 6x or better, in three of his last four games. So you got to figure uh, the increased minutes from Casal being out will matter. Uh, it's a short slate. Power forward, as usual, is pretty tough. So I think he's very, very clear-cut play here. Um, question around some of these other Toronto guys. I think is a little bit closer. Um, I like. I still think we're going to wind up with you know maybe both of Van Vliet and Lowry once again. Um, right now, the two teams that our system's really keying in on for night for tonight are Toronto and Boston going up against Golden State. So you know both of them missing, likely missing in Boston's case, um, a relatively key piece and just in great matchups. And you know as we go down a lot more of these teams, you'll see that. You know, some teams are getting a little more healthy. Some teams just have bad matchups. So right now, I do think those are going to be the two key teams for tonight. My only concern right now with our system in Toronto is we are significantly over their Vegas total by oh, maybe like 10 points or something like that. And I'm saying that this is an early look at our system. These things tend to change or you know, sometimes dramatically change over the course of the day. Now, they do have the third highest, no, fourth highest implied total of the night. This is Toronto at 115.5. We have them at for like 125 right now and even a little short in the minutes. So there's some chance one of these guards maybe doesn't make it all the way through. Maybe that's Lowry. I'm not really sure. Probably have to do a little bit more querying on you know, what it means when all the guys are healthy. Because this is the only other problem with sometimes using full season stats. Uh, now, we don't do this one-to-one -one all the time. But when you use full season stats, when they've had so many injuries, you're going to get some weird usage bumps in places that are no longer sitting there for guys, right? Like they were without Siakam for so long. So that's going to boost guys like Lowry and Van Vliet. Right. They were without, without Van Vliet for forever. So that's going to make Lowry's like full season line look a little bit better than what is the reasonable expectation when they're fully healthy, at least among the shot takers, right? Like Gasol is not necessarily that. Um, Siakam and Van Vliet definitely are that. So I think that would be the only thing I'm going to take a little bit closer look at before. And I'd still feel pretty comfortable with you know, three of these guys in a lineup just based on what the, the matchup is. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Because that's kind of where I'm – if there was a guy to go, I, I think it would probably be Lowry for me. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but um, is that a fair assessment when we look at sort of like how our projections are constructed? 
yeah, ultimately, I think, you know, one thing you've taken to doing when teams that have had crazy health issues finally get healthy is putting in a query uh, for those starters, like when they're all on the floor together. Yeah. What their or at least or like. at least the ones that matter, right? Like, so it's like, sure. in, this, in this case, it'd be like Lowry, Van Vliet, Van Vliet, and Siakam. Like, I'd really want to know specifically what the usage looks like for those three, because that is the majority of their shots, right? Like, I don't, I'm not so concerned about OG. I'm not even concerned as much about Gasol in this situation. Um, but I am concerned about when all three of those guys who seem to have all missed time overlapping each other or not overlapping each other, just in a very weird right. coincidence kind of way. I, I do kind of, and I, I, my bet is when we take a, when we dial that in a little bit more, it's going to probably hurt Lowry the most. So that's my own, that's my, that's just a guess. Sure. Yeah. And I think, I think it's reasonable just to put that in there. I will say, uh, Toronto's faced Cleveland twice this season, Lowry, cleared 5x points per dollar against them in both those games easily um you know, oh, they're, they're, their defense is horrible especially 39 the points yeah. fantasy points and then 40 points in the other game in december there so i still think he's a solid play and you know as we go through tonight point guard is uh, i actually think van vliet could conceivably be an odd man out just because shooting guard seems a little deeper than point guard tonight uh, as you go through these teams i mean you can probably eyeball test this as well as anyone uh, just think about the point guards that are playing tonight and think about the teams they're going up against and i think once you do that like the list gets narrowed very, very quickly as to who is even conceivable play. So um, I wouldn't cross Lowry off just yet. But nonetheless, I, I think we're in agreement that the Toronto guys playable. They are 10-point favorites here, so there is some blowout risk built in. Um, but they're another one of these teams that when the blowout happens, you know, aside from the odd Norman Powell game or something, it typically comes from these, you know, they're excellent starters that they're willing to put out there for 35 to 40 minutes. So for sure. um, so Toronto's still playable. Uh, definitely check back in as the day goes along, though, because... I think you're right. I do think that a query being put in there on their sort of big three being out there all at once could bring them down just slightly. Uh, let's keep. I don't think there's too much to talk about on the Cleveland side here. They're going to get Darius Garland back. Exum was a guy people wanted to play. I tried to warn folks against Exum as a DraftKings minimum play when he got the start the other day. I was like, this guy has a long history. I know he's on a new team. It's a long history of this guy going out there and doing jack nothing on the court when he's out there, especially when he's on the court with guys who will do stuff like Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, etc. Uh, and he was absolutely horrible as a chalk play. So I'm going to put myself a little pat in the back one. Did not fall into the uh, weird chalk with Exum because I just didn't see it. That being said, sure. Garland is back here, uh, so and they're fully healthy. This is a pretty good defensive Toronto team, even without Gasol. I'm personally not interested in anything on the Cavs here. Maybe you see it differently, or we can probably just move on. No, I think the only guy you could even really think about, maybe it's even a big tournament play, uh, would be Tristan Thompson, just because he's super, super cheap, and the minutes have been all over the place. We know that he can capture 35 or 36 minutes if things break perfectly. Uh, it's been more like 26 or 27, but you're not going to want to do that in cash games. Uh, okay, let's keep rolling here. We have Charlotte goes in and plays Washington. So, so the other night, Charlotte, we get at 6.45 Eastern or 6.50 Eastern. It's Devontae Graham is going to sit out for an illness. Uh, there's a mass panic. We get every Terry Rozier into every lineup. And then at 6.56, it's like, oh, just kidding. Devontae Graham is going to play. So then the mass panic going the other way, trying to get everything back to where it had been. You know, we were able to get it all there in time. And I want to credit just sort of like, Ourselves just having a good, good, good system around being able to do this very, very quickly and synthesize it very quickly. Um, but it looks like both. It looks like Graham is going to play again here. Rozier was still great in that game. Uh, I don't know if it's just because you know, just because, or because Devontae Graham wasn't at 100. percent They walk into about as good a matchup as you can get with here with the Wizards. The Wizards just are fresh off allowing. If this wasn't the All Star game, they allowed 151 points to the the Bucks the other night um, without Giannis. <laughs> so 151 to 131 game that allowed they allowed 88 points at halftime to Milwaukee it's just a total joke honestly with like these these scores it's just you got to play a little defense right like I just don't 
It's 151 They're games. They're trying their best, dude. How dare you question their Okay, well, here's the point. The, work ethic. The, where we want to do, turn here for cash games, Beal was a very heavy play the other night uh, in cash and really got there against the Bucks. And we get Charlotte going against a team that is about as good a matchup as you can ever get in DFS. They just allow – it's an absolute track meet every single time they play, and it's just a total turnstile for them on defense. Uh, do we want to try to stack some of these Hornet guys in cash? So, yeah, so I think Graham is a great place to start for cash games tonight. I think – you know, the fact that he played just, you know, he was ruled out and then just winds up playing against New York leads me to believe that at the very least he was trending up and he's had another couple of days to rest. So I think he'll be fine. I think, you know, the the score, like it's been weird for him this season. Like sometimes they give him the ball constantly, sometimes not as much. He still did have 10 assists in that mixed game. So I think that he will just be fine here. He's cheaper than he was uh, earlier this season. I think he is the type of guy like I would lean more towards his full season averages just because the opportunity has been roughly the same than by what he did last game. And I think given that he's going up against this Washington team that you said is just one of the very best matchups, right? It's a top five pace, very worst defensive efficiency in the year or in the season. So I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all about playing Graham tonight. I think you can probably play Regier as well. Uh, he was stacking up rebounds. I don't think you can count on that necessarily, but uh, between those two, I think you can, I think you can do a little something. Um, a little I, something. I, I, a little <laughs> there, was something. A, there was a pause there that made me want to know if I was supposed to respond to a little something. <laughs> That's what my son says. A little something, something. My seven-year-old. So, uh, what do you think about Beal though? Because I, I did not write him up. Um, I know that he's been turning it on recently, but I also just feel you know, my intuition is always just to trust the broader body of work rather than the "what have you done for me lately" stuff. And it didn't work out last night with Dame. Dame was excellent against the Rockets. Yeah, Beal another triple-double. Yeah, I know we talked about know. that specifically Beal, in the Beal's podcast. on four straight games of being great. Four prior games, not as great, but he was also on a minutes limit after coming back from injury. Uh, what do you think about Beal? Because 9,000 is looking pretty hot and tempting. Fat, if you will. Against, <laughs> okay, you're bringing all the vernacular tonight, which is nice. <laughs> against the, uh... Charlotte. Um, but, uh, but I'm not sure, you know, because it is... The, I will say one thing about tonight. Pricing seemed very tight to me. It seemed hard to find room for the more expensive players. But Charlotte is a pretty solid matchup. So uh, what, I do think, like, right now our system is not defaulting to this game. Um, I mean, Graham is there on, on FanDuel, so I take that back, 6,600. I think Rozier is going to be tempting for people at 68. Uh, I think probably right now we'd be, you know, less on the – if it was something like Graham and Beal as the chalk, and you mentioned not having Van Vliet, and so, or, you know, mentioned shooting guard being maybe a little bit stronger, I could see people going that way. Yeah, I don't know. Like, with the Dame thing, I try to look sometimes, like, is it strictly from a hot shooting thing, or is it, like, something else been happening? Like, his assists, like, for instance, Beal's assists are way up in the short term. Like, that was the case with Dame, too. It's like the assists and the rebounds are up in the short term as well. So, it's like, is that a sustainable thing that he hasn't really done for his whole career in the short term? Like, I'm not really sure. I I will say that we've probably been a little bit lower owned on Beal this year as compared to industry consensus. Um, probably for the worse, if I'm just looking at it over the whole season. So he's a guy that maybe our system's had the hardest time just getting a handle on. Doesn't have a hard time on the rest of these guys because Washington's just such a mess rotationally. But um, yeah, he's a guy I probably want to take a look at a little bit, a little bit more. He's one too that like. If we thought the reasonable expectation was 37 minutes, taking him to 38 minutes wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Like, I don't want to do that with everybody. Like, I don't want to do that, like, 
I'm trying to think of an example, like Mar like Derrick Rose. Like I don't want to go overboard in his minutes because they can they can go a little bit lower more than often. Like Drummond, guys like this, right? There are guys every once in a while that say like, oh, if we want to be a minute high on a guy, Beal is not the worst guy in the world to be a minute high on. Damian Lillard probably falls into that category as well, frankly. I hate so, doing that. I think, oh. it's, I think it's such bad practice, generally speaking. I think trying to hit the right minutes is by far a better strategy. And I think in the case of a guy like Beal, like if we're right on his per minute production, which I think we are, um, I just hate force and stuff like that. I just don't. I think actually you can get a lot of edge in DFS by resisting like those, especially when a guy is a good play. I think this is actually one of the most disciplined moves you can make, and it's something I learned from watching the uh, the really early super excellent DFS players like Condia comes to mind. Yeah. Where it's like, how did Condia make this lineup and not have, you know, Kevin Durant or something? You know, back in those days, and it's like, oh well, he realized that you're just giving up too much, so he middled out with two guys that seem random to me like Chris Bosh and you know whoever else um and he just wind up crushing right and I think that especially with expensive players especially ones with good multipliers in good matchups it's very tempting to be like how do you make a lineup without so-and-so tonight yep. and uh, I think and I, by the way this was Sabonis last night by the way that this yep. is a, a call I wound up making with Sabonis he was chalk he was terrible he winds up getting a little extra in overtime but sometimes the system just sees and it's like nah th on 37 minutes sure he can score his 48 fantasy points and it still won't be worth it so um, that's that's my general approach, but I know that it's not comfortable for the users too. No, I agree, and I'm and that's I'm not saying like I want to make it very clear about the difference between saying like I'm going to take his projection up 15% in order to get him the lineups, or if I'm saying like if there's guys that you know could reasonably outpace our projection and it wouldn't be crazy and it's not forcing it. I guess I, I, this is going to be hard to explain. I think you and I could probably you and I talk about this a lot in a way that's going to be hard to really quick explain what I'm saying in like the next two minutes about the way we do our projections but uh, it'd be the difference of like oh it's, it's Beal 20% office projection and from getting into top lineups that's just that is not a reasonable it's not worth so I think it, what right? you're trying to say and I, I the only reason I'm trying to nitpick about this because I do think that there is a tendency like our users do this I see in chat all the time we're like of hey course. I swapped these three guys for these three guys and it's like well okay our projection system has that as four total fantasy points worse that's just bad you know like yep, you might think those guys are chalk that's terrible but sometimes you know our, our especially on bigger slates our optimizer will literally churn out a trillion lineups or something like that right and among the top 15 you know one lineup might be 0.64 points behind and so in that case you look at a guy like Beal or you know if he's going to be chalk and let's say uh Graham weren't going to be I don't know in that case, giving Beal an extra tenth of a minute just puts that as the top overall lineup, and it's sort of a strategic move rather than saying, like, you know, because I, I, I really hesitate to just give a guy what I think is a wrong projection, right? It's like, give Dame an extra minute. Well, why? Because if you don't think he's going to play that minute, don't give it to him. Oh, but if you think okay, here's, well, he's going to be 90% owned, then maybe, and, you know, lower our cash game risk, then, you know, you can me, give him an extra 0.4 points projection and get there. You know? Let me real quick about just why I use that exact number. We have Beal at 37 minutes, which I think is fine. And if you look at his last four games, he's played 37, 38, 29, 38. That, that, that's, my, that's my only thing. It's like, okay, it's, like, it's, a, it's not unreasonable to say the extra minute and have it be the thing. That, that's, that's all. I'm just, um, we don't know. We're going on and on about this. It's, I think we're talking about the same thing and just saying it from slightly different directions. Let's keep moving here. 7.30. Oh, any, any other thing? That, Washington's a write-off, right, besides Beal, like from a fantasy perspective? Uh, Thomas Bryant wound up playing extra minutes last game, and he started and, and was very good. I don't know if people are going to be tempted by that or not. I will say, like, I felt, I looked at that, and I was like really debating whether I should give him a bump or not. And I determined for myself that it was actually that the plan was to play him like 18 minutes. 
And then the fact that it was a blowout wound up getting him more minutes, which sounds weird because he was the starter. But just based on how the rest of the team's minutes shook out, that was my determination. But if you think that's a new plan, I mean, obviously the guy paid 10x on this price against yeah. Milwaukee. So, you know, don't let him fall off your radar. But I, I'm not a believer right now. At 4,400, I'd probably rather take the risk on Brian than play Cody Zeller. Um, but that's one's close, right? I don't know. So that one, that's a. I don't want to play Zeller either. I think there's a better well, that's what I mean. yeah, there's just like... center play coming up here in a minute that we'll, okay. we'll get to. Let's roll through it. Embiid and the Sixers go and play the, the Hawks. This game has a 228 over under. The Sixers getting healthy here with Embiid. Like I said, uh, they are seven and a half point road favorites. Perfect matchup against the Hawks. But I'm wondering if you think that Philly has been all sort of priced up with Embiid being out. That even though we're getting this kind of perfect matchup, I'm not. Is this like the place that we want to play them? Because typically we want to just stack against Atlanta. Because much like Washington, they don't play any defense and they play really, really fast. I'm not sure if you see that as the case here with Philly. Yeah, I sort of do. I think Embiid coming back last game. The speculation is that his minutes will rise even more this game, and that really hurts guys like Ben Simmons. You know, like Simmons was a tour de force with Embiid off the court. And during this recent injury stint, and the, the, my eye was immediately drawn to his rebounds uh, against Golden State because, you know, Simmons' game, well documented, he's not really like an outside threat. He's all about just getting in the lane, you know, crashing in and, and trying to score at the rim. And when he's doing that, or distributing, you know, driving kick, um, he's nearby the rim. He can get more rebounds. Uh, and when Embiid's out there, the lane is just clogged. Like, I think, I can't remember whose podcast I was listening to this on. It might have been Zach Lowe, but they were talking about how Embiid and Simmons are two of the worst fitting yeah. good players in the whole NBA. And when they're both out there, I think it's really is a detriment to both. And so uh, Simmons is the one guy I would I would love to play if Embiid were out here. But given that Embiid's minutes are on the rise, I don't think you can do it. Um, you know, Josh Richardson already ruled out here. I tend to think that that's just going to lead to more minutes being spread around around guys that aren't going to be totally DFS relevant. So... Yeah, Al Horford currently questionable. I think if he were to sit, you know, maybe uh, we reconfigure things and maybe like a Matisse Tybal or, or something like that. But yeah, right now I think it's a great matchup for Philly, and I think the everyone getting healthy-ish is not going to really make it happen for me. So um, right now our system is not seeing these guys in our optimal lineups. Yeah, I think it all makes sense. And Atlanta going the other way just draws a terrible matchup against a very good defensive team in Philly when they are fully healthy. Or good, decent defense, even when they're not healthy, are excellent when Embiid is on the court. So uh, I'm not sure this is the spot I want to run any Hawks guys like Trey Young specifically into outside of like a game stack. Uh, I'm not even sure I really want to do it in that scenario either. Uh, Let's real quick hit a sponsor, The Athletic. You know these guys, they turned sports free content into a subscription-based service, and um, you, I've been saying this, you get what you pay for, and what you pay for here is just some of the best sports reporting you're going to find on the internet. The Athletic has all the basketball writers that you know you follow at this point, Shams, uh, we've talked about John Hollinger a lot because I just have my big man crush on John Hollinger, uh, Sam Ficino, Zach Harper, all of these guys are there covering the NBA for the athletic, in addition to all the other sports like Lombardi and uh, you know Glazier, they just have the, just have just an absolute stable of awesome writers and awesome content guys for the athletic. And then besides that, besides just the content, they are going to personalize your feed for you because they cover every single team in every market. They're going to personalize that feed, know what you're going to want to read about on a day-to-day basis with Q and A's, with fantasy picks, with just general news content, uh, with video stuff. The athletic tailors the experience to you. You got to pay for it, but with if you use the uh, the link theathletic.com/slash/overtime 
just like the podcast network we're on, theathletic.com slash overtime. You get 40% off your yearly subscription. Easily worth it. You'll be the smartest sports guy in the room. All you got to do is just kind of read them and just kind of spit out some of the stuff they write because you just know other people are all your cheap it. friends aren't paying for it. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're, getting something that you're, <laughs> you're getting something your friends aren't paying for, and then you can just kind of spat it off as your own things, right? If you're that kind of person, then good. Then you win even more because uh, you know that other people aren't engaging with it. And, you know, sometimes right. stuff is free because it's supposed to be free. And sometimes you, you pay for stuff because it's really worth paying for. <laughs> the Athletic definitely fits that. So go over uh, theathletic.com slash overtime. Get 40% off that yearly subscription. Golden State goes in and plays Boston. Boston, 13-point home favorites here. They've been dealing with some injury issues of late, too. Jason Tatum is questionable here. He's been out. Um, I don't know whether he him playing would sort of – submarine some of the plays that we've been wanting to get on lately in the industry as well. Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward, and then Jalen Brown was a heavy chalk play the other day. And they're still without Enos Cantor. So I'm just wondering your thoughts here, what that does to a Boston team that walks into a pretty good matchup here against Golden State. They're big favorites, 13 points of blowout is a concern. And what would Tatum coming back here if you were due to some of the other guys that are maybe kind of popping up in lineups right now on the idea that he has not played in a little while? So I read about this quite a bit before writing our picks last night, and my general sense was that Tatum is more like doubtful rather than this game time decision tag. Um, Steven said that he's going to try and get Tatum in in the next few games. That was the quote. And that just doesn't sound like tonight is the likely night. Uh, thankfully, I believe it's an 8 o'clock game. I hope that we'll get this news in advance of 7 o'clock, but it's pretty. it's a pretty close one. So um, I think if you have no news at all, then especially that group that you mentioned earlier, Kemba, uh, Jalen, and Hayward, those guys get a lot more speculative. I do think they're sort of in the class. Well, I might take Kemba out of this class because now he's a lot more expensive. Um, but a small forward, it's also a pretty tough position. I think he can potentially play Brown and Hayward even if Tatum comes back. But I'm going to certainly be a lot more excited about these plays if he winds up sitting. I think the most exciting Celtic play tonight uh, is also at the power forward position, though, and Daniel Tice. He's been excellent recently with Cantor sidelined. Last three games, he's paid 6x or better. In each of those three games, he's crashing the boards, he's chipping in blocks, doing a little scoring as well. Um, and I think he's just a really, really easy play at a $5,200 price tag on FanDuel. So uh, he's a guy I'll probably play regardless, although all these guys are obviously going to get a big bump from Tatum sitting. The other bump that they would get, too, is... Theoretically, Tatum sitting makes it less likely that they'll blow the Warriors out. So, um, And that, that is a real concern tonight as well. But with a couple of these teams, like the teams that I'm most excited about playing the guys from between Boston and Toronto, both of those teams are in blowout risk. And you could probably pretty easily argue that Philly and Atlanta, there's blowout risk as well. So I just don't know that tonight. Tonight you can build, build your whole lineup in fear of your best plays being involved in blowouts. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that... Um... I, I think we'll have that Tatum news before eight o'clock or before seven o'clock Eastern. That'd be my and it, that's it's really important news because I think it really does matter at least from the usage a usage perspective because he's a pretty high usage guy in that offense. Not as much with the rebounds. I'd be I think Tice is, is safe on at least on Fanduel either way, so I'm not really worried about it there. And I'd have some concerns if we didn't have the Tatum news and if he was like looking like a true game time decision, I'd be a little concerned with having a heavy Boston stack in cash just because. There are just reasonable plays in other teams that we have maybe a little bit more clarity around. What about Golden State? Um, they starting Marquise Chris at center. Not much else has changed here. D'Angelo Russell still getting heavy shot volume, but that price has come up, and he's still very scoring dependent. Any quick thoughts on the Warriors? Yeah, I think Marcus Chris is the main warrior that I want to look at tonight, uh, rolling out at center. Um, 31 minutes last game against Philly. He wasn't phenomenal 
on this price, but I think, you know, looking at the broader body of work, I think his fantasy scoring per minute leads you to believe that he should be a pretty solid value at this price tag. And I kind of like him going the other way against a team that's not really running a true center anyway. Like, you know, Daniel Tice isn't going to scare you on the defensive end. And with Tatum potentially missing two, Boston's sort of lacking size. So this could be a game where Chris could take advantage a little bit. Obviously, there's some risk. You know, we almost never want to play centers <laughs> as double-digit underdogs. That's not a place we want to be necessarily. But I think the price and opportunity mismatch, very solid here. And the center position, if you just click your All tab and then click on Centers, you're going to see some pretty tough names. Like, you know, just go down the list real quick for you. Jokic and Gobert going off against each other at no price discount. That's a no thanks. Not where you want to invest tonight. Embiid, potentially still on a minutes limit. Probably not. Um, Montrezl Harrell, I think, is playable. And then you got Thompson going up against Toronto. And then that's pretty much it. You know, then we're already at Marcus Chris in terms of price. And then you have the Washington guys, Cody Zeller. Atlanta doesn't really field the position for DFS purposes. It just gets really tough really quick. So I do think that... Uh, that you're going to want to consider Chris tonight, even if not all the context is perfect. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that. And I think that was like sort of my case with the Zeller Thomas Bryant thing here. When the list is that grisly, let's just get out of it cheap and just hope for the, hope for the best. And with like, you know, yeah, and I think Chris like, is de- definitively better than Bryant or Zeller personally. Uh, oh, at 4,800. Okay. So, um, all right. So that was the guy that you were waiting for. Right. Okay. So yeah. The, you're, That's you're, my big reveal. Yeah. Oof, man, I just, it was, it was worth it. I was, I was happy to have waited for that. The, uh, let's get into Utah and Denver. Utah is one and a half point road dogs here. Denver hosting them. I, you know, you texted me last night. When did Mike Conley turn into Raul Nato, which I thought was pretty funny. It's <laughs> just like the, uh, it's crazy, right? It is. I don't know. I, I don't know if he's still hurt or if he just can't find his flow or I just, what is the, the injury thing? And it was, he was he was sidelined for so long, but this is definitely not what they were expecting when they brought him over. Obviously, I mean that's an understatement of the century about what they were expecting when they got Mike Conley. I don't know what the plan is going forward. Luckily, they've been really good without him, so I'm, they it's maybe a nice problem to have. And I think they just feel like they probably could be at another level if he was just playing anywhere close to what they thought they were getting. That just hasn't been the case. Now, from a DFS perspective, I'm not sure are we going are we going anywhere in this game? The total is so much lower than any other game on the slate. It's like. No. seven to ten points lower than really any other game um from that perspective now you have to, you have two teams here that have been in the same situation for a fairly considerable amount of time and that's going to make people priced pretty much fairly and you have two slow teams good defenses i just don't see how you could make an argument that you're getting any value from this game whatsoever right um i think you know there's high floor guys like jeremy grant you know at six thousand he's been paying this price pretty easily for a week or two so I guess he's in the playable category, but you know, basically the, the way I look at plays from this game is if you wind up with the need to fill a certain position in a certain price range and there's a play from this game and it literally is just like your ninth guy that you're plugging in and hoping to not get killed on, I could see playing like Jeremy Grant or you know one of these guys whose minutes is relatively secure. But certainly if you find yourself with more than one player from this game, you've probably done something wrong. Okay, well, there you go. So now you know if you're doing something wrong. Just, if there's Rudy Gobert and, I don't know, Donovan Mitchell in your lineup, then, you know, quit DFS. The chances are good. That's not correct. You know. <laughs> quit DFS, do something else. So last game, 1030. No, or just sign up for with us at dfsr.com slash deals. Fair enough. Do, do that. Online. Sorry. Yeah, do that instead. Uh, yeah, <laughs> dfsr.com slash deals. Jeez, forgot. Better about reading the athletic read than doing our own our own thing that actually just pays us one-to-one. Sacramento goes in and plays the Clippers. Clippers 11.5-point favorites. At home with the news that it looks like Paul George and Patrick Beverly are both going to be back in this game. I mean, more significant is Paul George, obviously, that they are both going to be back. 
getting the Clippers close to fully healthy. I doubt Paul George is at anywhere close to a reasonable minutes limit, but I don't think that really matters from where the pricing is on all these other guys. Once they get guys like this back, they're getting fully healthy, turning into a scarier team. And from a DFS perspective, I we're almost 100% not getting any value on, on any of these guys no. at this point. So I don't think you can go there. And then we get Sacramento. They had a furious comeback two nights ago um, on the back of some crazy Buddy Heald shooting who's coming off the bench, but then they went right back to their, you know, their status quo, which is to get blown out by the Thunder last night uh, when all the guys just played under 30 minutes and just generally stunk. Any DFS thoughts in this game, or does it really look like we're going to be stacking these early games? Yeah, I think it looks like we're going to stack the early games. I think as you're looking at these late games, yeah, that, that, that will be interesting. Be sure to hop in the chat and we can discuss what the good strategies are there. Because I do think there's some relatively high floor options going in these games, but you know, they're two and a half hours after the eight o'clock game. You're just going to have some time uh, to think it over and, and really analyze. Uh, someone like De'Aaron Fox, you know, he people played him last night. I do think he's going to be somewhat matchup dependent and the Clippers with Beverly getting healthy is just not where I want to be in terms of running out on ball point guards there. So yeah, I don't see it. Uh, I do think Montre Montrezl Harrell is pretty interesting here. You know, he is obviously somewhat affected by the Clippers getting healthy, but given that his contributions come more across the board in terms of, you know, rebounding, playing with the second unit some, uh, putting up defensive stats, I think he could still be considered a high floor option tonight. And it's funny because he is a backup, but obviously I think there is some still some blowout risk with him too because yeah. while he's a backup, he will play crunch time. And so it can almost hit him harder in some cases than the starters. Yeah, he could get like 18 happens, so. minutes. Like he could get yeah. like or 22 minutes because the game is over. Right, exactly. It right. all comes together in exactly the wrong way. And instead of getting coming in with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, he just stays on the bench, right? right. So, um, yeah, so exercise some caution there. This definitely could be a blowout. And centers are, are not where we want to be. I mean, we already recommended Marcus Chris, right? So you're going to have a tough decision at center on FanDuel regardless. But um, he gets my, Harold gets my lukewarm recommendation, I guess. All right. Lukewarm recommendation it is. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com for short. DFSR.com slash deals. We'll get you started on our projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. Optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. That's classic and single game only versions of NBA. So you can go check that out. Uh, we'll have you cover for projections for every slate, every site that we cover. It also has NHL projections and then baseball, football, all that stuff when it comes around. I mention it because we just cover it all under one subscription package. Buddy, should be an interesting night in the NBA. Enjoy your, I was going to say enjoy your night in association because I know you get excited when I say that, but I screwed it up by saying NBA. Enjoy your Thursday night of basketball. Peace.